Oh. <laughs> Um, what episode is this? 51? So that's me. 51, motherfucker, 51. <laughs> Welcome to episode 51 of I'm Sorry What the Podcast. Calm down, USPS. You don't need to rev your engine out the fucking window. No one's going to hear that. Then they're going to be like, I don't understand. Welcome. <laughs> that was a wonderful introduction, Amanda. Thank Marvelous you. introduction. Thank you. My headphones keep cutting in and out. I know. I'm, I'm Christina. Not, I'm Amanda. Sorry. I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Amanda. And there we go. I can hear again. Fitty one, fitty one. Episode 51. It's kind of like a continuation of 50. It's like episode 50, part two. Part de. <laughs> i'm so excited sorry guys i got excited and i accidentally stopped recording <laughs> i accidentally stopped recording we're, we're back now welcome welcome once again hey hi what's up nothing how be you i'm good good it was a busy week it went really fast i'm quite tired but i got a big to-do list because I don't want to work no more. I got a big to don't list because I also don't want to do anything. So yep. I'm not going to do that. I'm just not going to do anything. Oh, you know good, how that goes? Well, fucking good for you, you know? Good for you. Good for you. Good for fucking you. Uh, how are you? How was life? How was your week? It's fine. It's fine. It's just... whatever. I feel like I've been done do, nothing with my life but work overtime. Do you want to share with the folks your exciting week? Oh, you mean how I pooped my pants? Yeah. Yeah, that was... <laughs> As an adult at work and had to leave so you could change your fucking pants? Yeah. Yeah, that. I'm bringing it up. What's up? That was a good day. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good fucking day, guys. You know, everybody's fucking done it. You just overtrust a fart and <laughs> there it is. My Sorry, hold on. My tummy was just not having a good day that day, and I felt absolutely fine. And then all of a sudden, I was like, "Oh, I gotta go!" Oh, and I didn't make it to the bathroom. Oh, oh. <laughs> I really had to go. It's time to go home. Turns out, <laughs> whoop! <laughs> now I feel like everybody's been there. Not everybody will admit it, but everybody's been there. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Everybody poops, guys. Everybody, after our conversation last week about penetration, I feel like we can talk about anything. With we can talk about anything, anything. now. Speaking after- of anything. Oh, what do you got? I want to read you some of this, this conversation in my family chat last night. Oh, good. So. I'm so excited. My mom and dad are sitting in the living room, and I'm like just chilling on the couch. And my mom looks over and goes... Dick died 35 years ago today, which was my grandpa. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, that was a depressing thought. And then she's like, that means Katie was conceived 35 years ago today. <laughs> <laughs> so your sister was conceived by cheering? No, it was the night before, I guess. Apparently. My mom knows. She fucking knows when each of us were conceived, which is weird. But it's the night before my grandpa died. And then <laughs> I was like... Ew. <laughs> <laughs> and she's and well I would 
<laughs> and then Katie was Katie was FaceTiming me when like this whole conversation went down. And <laughs> and she's like, it was the I was like, you banged the night grandpa died? And mom was like, and Katie's like, no, it was the night before. And I'm like, don't act like that's bad. They maybe were celebrating life. <laughs> <laughs> right? I was just cheering people out. And so then I was like, 35 days or 35 years ago, dad, mom squatted over dad's cucumber patch and Katie's So then Katie's like, you have to share that on the family chat so Nick can be a part of this. <laughs> and this is the conversation. Oh, joy. I am. 35 years ago today, mom squat thrusted into dad's cucumber patch and Caitlin was conceived. I know this information, therefore you all have to know this information. <laughs> and I was like, you know, cleaning out the cobwebs with the womb broom. <laughs> Jesus. And Katie sent a bunch of, like, smiley face, like, laughing, crying. And then I sent my favorite gift, the swiggity swooty. I'm coming for that booty. (laughs) (laughs) So then my dad goes, think more like a pickle patch. And I was like, ew. Ew. Katie's like, Dad, why do you have to sell your penis short? And I was like, you know, if we're going to be vulgar, I could have said locking legs and swapping gravy. (laughs) (laughs) And Katie was like... You mean squat thrusting over dad's cucumber patch wasn't vulgar enough? <laughs> and then I was like, you know, shaboinking, parking the beef bus in Tuna Town. <laughs> oh my god, Christina! And Katie's like, ew. I'm trying to put my kid to bed and he keeps laughing because I keep laughing. <laughs> and this whole time we're, we're texting, mom is like, Christina Marie! Christina! <laughs> And then my mom was like, good night, Lucas. Tell your mom to cool her jets. And then my brother pops, chi- finally chimes in and goes, thanks. Now I'm going to have to watch those stupid debates to get this shit out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for that. Oh, uh, there's, a, there's a meme that says... <laughs> the beef buff is so gross, Christina. <laughs> Uh, there's a meme that says, if you're born in September, September, your parents had a very Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I think about that every, every fucking, fucking Christmas. Year, every fucking Christmas. <laughs> but that was just a little preview into my, how our family. So right. I come by it naturally. Tell me a fucking story. How about that? Oh, we're just gonna go yep, right in. Yep, okay. we're jumping fucking in. We're we're here now. We're here. We, we just took just... a sidebar of five minutes deciding on different things because we had a moment of like clarity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So last week I talked about werewolves. No. Yeah. Oh, okay. You didn't listen, so I thought I'd I wasn't. I mean, you. I wasn't there. So Amanda doesn't listen to our episodes. So I, you know, I don't. Because I don't really listen to much of anything other than last podcast on left. Sometimes you I've know, been really that's into really music all I lately too, as well. Last been... po- L L L P L. No, fucking love Henry Zabrowski. Mm-hmm. That video I sent you yesterday about the pancake yeah. thing. I was dying of laughter in my car. I was like, I don't think I've ever related to anyone so much. <laughs> that's I'm like, I just, I just really enjoy them, and so that's like the only one I listen to really. <laughs> And I feel like I live our episode, so I don't really listen to that unless I feel the need to. I have to. And let me tell you, re-listening to your episode was a blast. I bet you. Do you have nightmares? The f- no. I'm a cold-hearted bitch. You, hey, when we first started this, you kept saying how many nightmares you were getting. I was because having nightmares, but now I'm just like, I, I just had... don't have a lot of feelings anymore. 
I feel you. <laughs> That's I. My coworker sent me a Snapchat, and it was of her dinner plate that was half eaten. She goes, listening to your podcast in my headphones, and her daughter's across the table. Lost my appetite. And I was like, which one are you listening to? She goes, oh, the one with the skin suit that got caught on the propeller. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> okay, anyway, okay. werewolves. So, and in my research, I came across the werewolf of Russia, who is Mikhail Viktorovich Popkov. And he is a Russian serial killer and rapist who sexually assaulted and murdered 77 women between 1992 and 2010 in Angersar Akustik, I don't know, and Vladivostok in Siberia. They call him the werewolf and the Angersar maniac. And it was termed as Russia's most prolific serial, one of Russia's most prolific serial killer, like right next to Andre Chikatilo. Chikatilo. Um, basically for the brutal nature of his crimes. Right. However, and I was going to do the whole episode just on him. However, Rush is fucking weird, and there's no goddamn information. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. So he has 77 victims, and I could only find three in the first 10 pages of Google that I clicked on every single fucking link, mm-hmm. trying to find, like... A full timeline. Like, even Murderpedia had basically the same thing over and over and over again. So, what I have is what I got. Nope. That I mean, that's literally the this fella that I'm doing, Garavito. It was like, I had to find totally different resources in order to do it. So, um, he was born in Angersark in March of 1964. There's not a lot known about his upbringing and personal life beyond that. Uh, He married Elena Popkoff and had a daughter named Ekaterina. Uh, he worked as a police officer, uh, and by the time of his capture, he had also spent time as a security guard at the Angersark Oil and Chemical Company, and as well as a security guard for a private firm. Okay. Uh, his wife was also known in the pol- was also known and was a police in the police. She worked for the police. The policia. The policia. We're not in Italy. <laughs> and provided an alibi for Popkov several times. Uh, it's been speculated that Popkov began targeting women who resembled his reportedly alcoholic mother who abused him in his childhood. Oh, However, Popkov claims he began raping and killing women after he developed a desire to kill his wife who believed he, who he believed was having an affair. Oh. So he came home one day and found used condoms in the garbage and was freaking out and it but they had a guest staying in the house and his wife was like, That wasn't me, that was the guest staying there, but he didn't believe her. I think he just that just like is what triggered him. Right. Um so it started in nineteen ninety two and from nineteen ninety two to two thousand and ten he is suspected of murdering up to twenty nine women. He or two thousand. Um, he would pick up slightly intoxicated women who were just leaving bars or parties using his police car and uniform to gain the victim's trust in some of the murders. He would then drive them to the forest where he would rape them and murder them. His victims were all women. By the way, this whole, my other one that I'm going to talk about and him, there's very graphic things in there. Okay. I I mean, I'm ready. Just everybody else get the fuck ready. Strap in. Um, his victims were all women between the ages of 16 and 40, apart from one male who was a policeman that I think he just shot and killed because it, like, he discovered him. Um, the female victims were prostitutes or inebriated young women who 
Popkov considered immoral. Uh, at various points between 92 and 2010, um, which was 39 in Angersark, Acoustic, and Vladivostok, which is a distance of some 3,900 um, kilometers or 2,423 miles. So he was in these three different areas uh-huh. that he would travel between, killing people. Okay. So he had a huge, like, Dude, that's this, why he went for so long. This is so reminiscent of Garavito. Yeah. Except Russian. So he dressed in his police uniform, lured victims with the promise of a free ride, and then sexually assaulted them. He killed women and with instruments, including knives, axes, baseball bats, and screwdrivers, then mutilated the bodies so grotesquely that the Russian media described him his crimes as the werewolf. Like, because um, they looked like they were just ripped apart. Right. By a wild beast. Um, and the Angersark Maniac. One of the victims was decapitated. Another's heart was ripped out. He would rape the victims after they de- they were deceased as well. So he'd rape them before, kill them, and then rape them again. Right. Uh, only one of, well, a couple of victims survived his attack and then died in the hospital. Only one victim actually survived and lived. Right. And she was... So brutally raped, the only thing she remembers other than being raped was him repeatedly slamming her face against the bark of a tree. Oh my god, ow. And she, like, lost the feeling in doubt because of all the head trauma and, like, half her body had to relearn to do everything all over again. Like, it was brutal. Holy shit. She later identified him by a photo. However, his wife provided an alibi for him and because they were both police officers... He wasn't looked into any further. Bullshit. Uh, police were severely criticized for failing to catch uh, the sexually motivated killer and ignoring vital evidence. He murdered the women with a slipknot knife as well. So he'd t- strangle them. He, he right. like had no plan. He said this in his interviews. I had no plan. I just used whatever was around. Around. Right. Whatever had in my car, whatever, to kill them. So it was almost like he was a disorganized organized killer right excuse me okay so for years police suspected the killer's job was a metal worker a driver a railway employee or a heating station engineer or even a cemetery worker something for him to like travel Mm -hmm. um but even her the girl who survives name was svetlana i love that name. i know it's a good name (laughs) (laughs) But her evidence was not properly acted upon, and only uh, they didn't really do any, like, really police work. They didn't investigate. Right. That's the word I was looking for. Fully. So, and the other thing about her was she was stripped naked, mm-hmm. and she survived out, being outside. Someone found her in sub-zero temperatures. She was brought to the hospital. They thought she was dead, and she woke up in the morgue. You know what? I think I've heard of that case... Yeah, like they brought her in the hospital, yeah, and, she and she was basically like were... almost frozen solid. No, she was not. That no, that, no. that's a different. She one. was just she wasn't frozen solid. They just thought that she was dead, and they had brought her down to the morgue, and then she woke up, and they were like, "Oh shit, oh, she's not shit. dead!" and brought her back up. It's <laughs> <laughs> great, great hospital work. You know that pulse. It's yeah. hard to find. Uh, fun side so tangents. even though his wife had provided him like multiple alibis, it isn't believed that she was actually part of covering it up okay like she she gave him she may have given him false alibis but she didn't believe that he was a killer and didn't know that he was doing this um even after he was arrested and in confessing 
she was like, no, they forced the confession. Like, she refused, right. and his daughter refused to believe it because he was an amazing dad. Right, I can imagine he, that. It's hard to even imagine. Yeah, but, like, not even BTK style. Like, he de- didn't drink, barely cursed, never yelled at her, never hit her. Like, there was no... He When he was at home, he was the perfect father. Hmm. So they, like, refused to believe that he was a killer, even after he was, like, confessing to 77 rapes and murders. Svetlana's case, she identified him by a picture and was it was enough to request a DNA sample. Mm-hmm. Um, but because the police interrogated Popkov's wife, which I had already said, and she had given him a clear alibi, they did not... That's kind of how they didn't investigate it because the only suspect was the one that she identified, which was Popkov. Mm-hmm. So they had nothing else to go on. And they didn't ask him for a DNA test, which they could have... Because they had his DNA. Okay, so they, like, neglected to do their job. Yes, and because she had severe head injuries, just identifying a photograph when he had another alibi, they were like, they can't, it wasn't enough. So a psychiatrist that studied Popkoff says there are two groups of maniacs, organized and non-organized. Non-organized maniacs are easy to catch, their crimes are quickly solved. There are people with psychiatric pathologies who live in their own world and they're hiding from people are often untidy, but they claim he's an organized maniac. So uh, he's, he has a high mental ability, socially adaptable, often with families. They find convenient jobs which secure them and give them time for crimes. Uh, it's a hard job to catch a maniac like this because it's hard to spot a person. Even police enrollment tests are not good enough for it. The fact that only drunk women attracted him could be the result of his mother's childhood problems. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what they were saying is, like, he was organized to a point and then he'd, like, lose control and go berserk when he killed them. And then once they were done being killed, he would come back to being, like... right fully put together and could go home and go on about his day like nothing happened basically compartmentalize his crimes to this only this little part of his brain so then he can turn that part off go to his normal part right okay so then the murders actually stopped in 2000 and it's because he caught a venereal disease from one of the girls he raped well, maybe you shouldn't be raping and people. It he said that it rid him of the manacle desire to rape and kill women. <laughs> he didn't want to go to the doctor because then his wife would know he was fucking other bitches. Or I shouldn't call them bitches. And he shouldn't why. say it's fucking. No, raping, raping other victims, victims is the right term. <laughs> I don't like, know why fucking bitches. I feel like that's really insensitive, <laughs> Nielsen. Raping other victims. I don't know why. I'm sorry. I'm a bitch. <laughs> Um, he said, you're vulgar, you're a vulgar lady. (laughs) You're a vulgar lady. Uh, so he said he just neglected the illness, tried to cure it himself. Didn't want to go to the the hospital. Cure it himself. And because of that, he became impotent. So it broke his wiener. Well, yeah, that'll happen. And then once his wiener was broken, he lost the desire to rape and murder. Yep. That'll happen too. When you can't actually do it. So, then the breakthrough... So, it went cold for 10 years. Okay. And then a breakthrough in the case came. So, Russian police were involved in the search for a cold case of a slain woman that was killed by similar methods. So, they were trying to solve this case, trying to see if it was part of these murders. hmm And they discovered a pattern of car tracks for a specific type of an off-road vehicle used only by law enforcement. 
Dun, dun, dun. And then they started looking at other crime scenes and seeing that these same tire tracks were found on a majority of these crime scenes. So they DNA tested 3,500 current and former policemen. They were like, motherfuckers, we are testing Bitch. all you fucking, uh, fucking DNA. Which I don't even think is a bad idea. No. Nope. Like, to become a police, you just have to put your DNA on file. I feel like they do that here, here at least. I don't know if it's a uh, thing el- elsewhere. And it came back as a match to Mikhail Popkov. <gasps> Mikhail! Uh, and so he was arrested, obviously, that same year in 2012. And then in 2015, he was sentenced to life in prison for 22 murders and two attempted murders. But he has now come out and said there's a lot more, which is why they are crediting him with almost 77, because they're pulling, they're finding more and more. Right, more and more stuff that matches, and it's like, yep. hmm Yep, that was me. Um, and then well, I just liked this just because it was really on theme. Okay. One of the articles I read. So one of the police detectives, um, he is convinced that there's at least a dozen more cases in police files that are likely Popgov's victims. Many of the details from the crime scenes match his, like... Motive or modus operandi. What is that? Mm-hmm. Mo. Mo. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> um, he, one of the investigators in the case, um, before he was caught in like a interview, described the traits of the killer they were still hunting, and this is what he said. He said he is charming and sociable. Women like him, but he's a beast inside, and it's always hard to fight a werewolf. Ooh. So I just thought that was kind of. On the nose for the, uh... On the fucking snout, you right mean. Right on the fucking snout. <laughs> on the snoot. Right on the snoot. <laughs> okay, so then I got just a tiny itty-bitty one that I found, again, in my search. I was trying to find, like, modern-day werewolf. And this is in Douglas County, Washington. Okay. It happened in 1995. Um, and this is another one that didn't have a lot of detail. The, the actual person who discovered what happened isn't even named in any of the articles. Okay. She wanted to be, like, anonymous because she's a family member. Um, so, in 1995, an unnamed woman in Douglas County, Washington, was trying to get a hold of her mother and her 14-year-old sister. Uh, Amanda, to aunt, her name was Amanda. They were trying to get her to answer the phone, the, the sister. Okay. Um, it was unusual that they didn't answer, so she drove over to check on them. The front door was unlocked. Or was locked, so she ran around to the sliding rear door that was always unlocked. Inside the home, she discovered... This gets really dark real quick. Okay. Discovered the bodies of her mother and her little sister. Okay. Uh, One was in the bedroom. One was in the family room. Both were covered in blood. That's all she saw, and she ran to get a neighbor who called the police. Um, The victims had been grotesquely um, murdered and had been sexually mutilated in a variety of ways by someone who they basically said that it looked like it looked like an animal had torn them apart, but then they were like splayed out like Jack the Ripper style kind of thing. Okay. So the last time the young woman had contact with her mother was 10 p.m. the night before. She had a beat a boyfriend, but he was quickly ruled out and accounted for uh investigators looked inside and around the house for evidence and an examination of the bodies later at the morgue narrowed down the time of death between 11 p.m and 3 a.m so on amanda's wrist a stop 
watch indicated that the struggle had occurred around 1135. Amanda, who was the 14-year-old, had been stabbed and bludgeoned in the head, then raped, after which the killer had shoved a baseball bat into her vagina. Seems a little much. He also eviscerated her, placing skin from her genitals onto her face, and she was splayed out on her mother's bed. Okay. Rita, the mother, was lying on a couch in the family room and had been stabbed 31 times and viciously, viciously mutilated. Her breasts were removed and placed near Amanda. Her genital area was excised and stuffed into her mouth. Okay. And in a final indignity, her body was basically splayed out for exposure. Okay. Um, and so they said these deaths did not happen quick. They no. Were, they suffered before they died. Oofta. Okay. That was very Minnesota. Oofta. Oofta. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm sorry. Okay. Because you're uncomfortable. <laughs> this is me the entire episode last time. I'm like, I can't. I'm sweating. I'm I don't so like this. I'm so uncomfortable. Okay. So there was no sign of forced entry. Uh, so the investigators assumed that the victims had either known their killer or that he had watched them long enough to know about the rear door. Uh, when detectives checked incident reports for the night, they learned that a man garbed in black named Jack Owen Spillman III mm. had been arrested at 2 o'clock in the morning, not far from the crime scene, on suspicion of burglary. A search of the area turned up a bloody knife and the blood that was matched to one of the victims. They also found a witness who had seen his truck near the crime scene at 1130. Spillman had been released from custody since they had nothing on him. They watched him while they looked into his background. Uh, they noted a record for rape and bl- burglary, along with attempted rape, and he was suspe- suspected in the disappearance of the daughter of a woman he had been living with. The little girl was like nine or ten and was still missing. Okay. While under surveillance, he tossed out an item that, when retrieved, turned out to be a blood soaked ski mask. The blood would match one of the victims as well. There was a blood stain near an opening in the mask, as if he'd put his mouth to a wound. He later learned he drank Amanda's blood. Uh, more questioning of people in the area turned up reports that Spillman had been in the fisi- been seen in the vicinity of Amanda's house, okay, and like her out her school activities. Uh, he was arrested, and his car and residence were searched. Uh, more evidence in the form of blood, hair, and fibers turned up to implicate him and he had no alibi um he was employed as a butcher according to the news reports and explained why the wounds had been so precise and skillful Mm -hmm. it is uh he admitted to stalking this family for months keeping his eyes on amanda so um and basically rita had become like an incidental victim because sometimes she would spend the night she was 15 14 so sometimes rita would spend the night with her boyfriend so I think he had planned to kill Amanda and Rita would just happen to be home. Um, but even though she was like an incidental victim, he like, I think he was mad about that. So there was a lot of rage on, they said, on Rita's body as opposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, so to avoid the death sentence, uh, Spillman confessed to the double homicide and then added a third. He um, surprised authorities by confessing to the killing of the nine-year-old girl of the mother or woman he was living with. So is he just a pedophile? That's his, Mm -hmm. like, 
Okay. Well. Pubescent girls. I guess, maybe. But I'll tell you what his he says his motive was. Okay. Um, when he told them where the body was buried, they exhumed her, and she appeared to have been buried in precisely the same position as Amanda had, as he had left Amanda. Okay. So, same, like, mutilation and yeah. everything. Um, so, his, during the trial, one of his cellmates that he had been kept in prison with told authorities that he had bragged that his ambition was to be the most famous serial murderer in the country. He thought of himself as a werewolf and said he had prey that he had to stalk the same way a ravenous beast might do. Okay. He studied other killers to learn how to avoid being caught, such as shaving his body hair. He fantasized about torturing girls and wanted to cut out the heart of each victim and eat it. He also desired to keep his victims in a cave and complained that his first one had died too fast as he was torturing her with a knife. After burying her in the woods, he apparently exhumed her body several times for sexual purposes. Mm. Uh, when recounting his bloodthirsty fantasies, Spillman reportedly would grow... Erect? Erect. So Oof. he pled guilty to three counts of av- aggravated murder and was sentenced to life in prison in 1996, and he is currently serving his sentence in the Washington State Penitentiary. Ew. Yeah, he's gross. So there's that, then. That's, that's one of those ones that it's like, that's so disgusting, but you don't hear about it because it's not, like, a large number or something. Mm-hmm. Yucky, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, you guys are in for a fucking treat this episode. Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. It's just not going to get any better, you know? It's just downhill from here. So, uh, hope you had fun with the first... Awful murders. Awful murders. Now on to the second. Now on to to Amanda's terrible, terrible story. The finale. You're welcome. Oi. Hey, what's up? Oh, not too much. I'm just going to tell you part two of The Beast. Oh. Luis Alfredo Garavito Gubelos. I still haven't had Alfredo. Yeah. Glad that's still what you take out of that. All right. Dude. Can I just say I'm not excited for this? Um, sure. (laughs) Still telling you. (laughs) Last. He was finding Jesus. He was going to try to find Jesus, but was still practicing witchcraft. So we weren't quite sure where he was going with that. Um, so part two. After this, after he decided he was going to find Jesus and all of the rapes and murders he did. Um, we are in 1994. Okay. 94. Mid-90s. What was little Amanda doing in 1994. Little Amanda was six years old. She was probably in kindergarten. Is that Fat Amanda phrase? No, Fat Amanda was like second grade. Mm. So that would have been more like 96. Okay. <laughs> that was Fat Amanda, buck teeth, bowl cut. I looked real good. That was good, prime guys. Fat Amanda stage. Uh, I looked real good. It's a nice, it's a nice, uh, come throw up. Black. Throw black? She's a, throw she had back. quite the come up. <laughs> I did, I did good. Okay, sorry. 94. I long bottomed myself. Okay. You long bottomed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you get it. HP for life. <laughs> so 
So part two. So after he decided he was going to find Jesus because that voice was telling him that he was worthless for everything he was doing. Which is pretty true. Pretty mm-hmm. accurate. He moved to another town. And I guess his cooling off was done because he started to continue murdering. Oh, good. Uh, by the end of 1994, he had killed 27 more kids with a little black bag murder kit. I thought you were going to say with a little black boy. <laughs> like it's like the opposite. Up, like he picked up a fucking sidekick. Of fucking Huckleberry Finn. Yes. <laughs> I just chose a little black boy. Oh, instead God. Instead of the hulking black man. Oh, gosh. Okay, okay. so... I thought you are like, with a little black boy, and I'm like... <laughs> so note the black bag murder kit, okay? Okay, Because in my he, noodle. Since he was on the road so much, a lot of times he would drop them off at places, like, people that he knew and be like, could you hold this for me, whatever, and, like, put it in storage in their garage or whatever, and they're like, sure, don't think anything of it. Okay, so in 1995, Garavito fell and broke his leg, and this kind of slowed him down for a little bit, but barely after this accident, he just, the biggest thing that happened was he walked with a distinct limp. Um, and so later on, it talks about how when he fell, he hit his head and they think that that's actually one of the reasons why he limped because he didn't have like major issues with his leg, but they think that it might have like screwed up his nervous, like mm-hmm shot off stuff so and they think that might have been another thing that kind of triggered him back into killing if that makes sense i don't know it's weird but anyway so another one of those weird brain things and i'm like neurology is so interesting so neurology is so interesting yeah shut the fuck up okay (laughs) so he killed four children in 1995 two of which were cousins i think so it's tough because, like, it says these small numbers, and I'm like, I know there were more than that, but they also only have, like, details well, for a certain amount. small numbers at, like, little increments, because it was like, he's at 25, now he's killed, like, six more, and so it's... Right. Well, and I mean, I guess it's all over, like, almost 10 years, yeah. so I can see where it adds up to do yeah 25 a year or whatever. So, two of these kids were cousins. All of the bodies were found on a hillside um, in the country right outside of the town Unhurried. (laughs) There's a lot of towns this time, and a lot of times I tried to avoid saying them if I don't have to. Outside of a town. (laughs) It was found outside a town in the country, you know, because he travels all over Colombia. So there's like, I feel like it's almost confusing to try to say all of the towns. Yeah. Um, and and we were American, and but we they were found funny words. And they're not funny. They're not that hard. I just stare at them and I go, "It's like my brain stops working." I, yeah, and I was like, "I don't understand letters anymore." Why are there so many consonants? <laughs> at least this is Spanish. Like yeah. Spanish is not the Spanish worst. Is one of the easiest languages. Yeah. Um, Russian and German, however, <laughs> there's some funny characters, but I don't yeah, even know what that means. I. <laughs> I think that's a C, but I'm not sure. It looks like a very angry H, and I don't understand what that means. So I just put an A. Because <laughs> it looks kind of like an A. That, that was me doing my Russian research in the past. It kind of <laughs> looks like an A. <laughs> so this was they were found on a hillside in tall weeds. Um, this is... It becomes kind of a 
regular thing is they're finding these graves with multiple, multiple bodies in it. Mm-hmm. And that's how they start realizing there's such an issue. Hey, we got a problem, guys. Yeah. So on June 8th of 1996, a boy in Boca, in Boca, Cal- California. Boca Raton. <laughs> was in a retirement community. And it's Boyaca. It's not Boca. Boyaca, Colombia disappeared. His mother went on the search almost immediately as soon as she realized he hadn't returned like oh, he was supposed to. Oh, they done to. fucked up and got a kid who with a mom who cares. Right. Um, and during her investigation, she found that he was last seen outside of a shop with a few other boys. And there was an adult man, stranger, who was giving them candy. Creepy. This stranger was ID'd as Garavito because he'd come into towns and people would notice him just because he's like not a local who brought the new guy yeah so and now with his limp it's like this guy with a fucking limp wearing red fucking Fucking glasses gimpy mcgee over here giving all the kids candies kind of a creeper kind of it's kind of weird um so he bought he was brought in for questioning and his story was that yes he did give the children candy that he had just bought in that shop because he thought they were street children this is what he said Mm -hmm. so he thought it would be a nice treat for them to have and that's it he left them alone and he went went on his way this is his story he was like mr talk himself out of trouble Mm -hmm. all the time every time he's talked to it's like oh well i mean that makes sense i guess and he goes about his way so after he was questioned he was released because there was no evidence other than people just saying that he was giving them candy Mm -hmm. um but they found the boy's body he was decapitated Mm -hmm. His genitals were severed and placed into his mouth. Just so much genital mutilation <laughs> and in mouths. It's just and weird. on faces. This is a weird episode, guys. Just, just lots of genitals on faces that I'm not comfortable with. Whoops! It's the sound of desperation there. Um. So Garavito left town right after being questioned, and he was long gone by the time they had discovered the body. Like a day later. And so when he moved to the next town, Pereira, he killed a 13-year-old boy. And then later in 1995, a storekeeper and a few sex workers ID'd him as being at the scene of the boy's disappearance, at a boy's disappearance, Ronalda, Reynalda Delegato. Um, but Garavito blames the people for falsely accusing him because he wasn't from town. He had a disability and they were just trying to find somebody to pin this disappearance on, right? And he was released because, again, there was no evidence other than people just saying they saw him near him, right? Then um, he changed his disguise and he took off to the next town. And this is how he went about his way for years and years and years. He would, like, do it all in this one town until he started getting questioned or people would start being like, this guy's being fucking weird, like something's Mm -hmm. up with him. And then he just put on a different outfit, comb his hair back differently and leave town. Be a totally different person in the next town. Um, Where was I? Okay. There he murdered Jorge, a 10-year-old boy who sold sweets and to bus passengers to support his family. Hmm. Poor little boy. I know there's just a lot of like it kind of like skims through things now because they don't have a solid timeline cuz yeah. they're still finding bodies. 
By mid-1996, he had a total victim list of over 100 boys. So this is prime Fat Amanda stage. This. This is when Fat Amanda was looking real fucking good, did not wear her clips to hold her bangs back in right her school picture. Right before she long-bottomed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really funny talking to, like, Tara and Tracy. They're like, and this is when you started getting hot. And I was yeah. like, thank you. Still had a snaggle tooth, though, so I'll take it. <laughs> It's like weird. Decided to get a perm. That was a bad choice. Um, <laughs> especially the because, bunny teeth. <laughs> well, and when I got the perm, I didn't realize you weren't supposed to tuck your hair right after you got it before it dried. Oh, so it gave you like a nice so I had ear like, crease. I had like straight bangs and then mm. curly ass back in my head. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, back to murdered boys. So in 1997. <laughs> He moved to Bogota again and pretended to be a monk. Random. That's not creepy at all. Um, Eight-year-old Jimmy, I didn't see his last name. Yimmy. Yimmy, was killed first. Then he killed an additional two boys in that town before moving on to Prera once again. So he was kind of just hopping towns he rotating now. towns. Yeah, and he would be in a different disguise every time he'd go, so he would act like he's a totally different person. And, you know, people would notice him, but as soon as they did, he'd fucking take off. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just his thing. Um, on October 1st of 1997, he kidnapped two boys from a bus station. Their tortured bodies were f- discovered a few days later, and the community went on a desperate hunt for this killer. So they're like, this is when everybody's realizing how big of a problem it is. Because with all of the civil unrest around there, it wasn't unusual for boys to like skip towns and try to find work. And so if someone just disappeared, they were like, I mean, they probably left. If they were older than 10, they probably left to go find something to make money. Mm-hmm. Um But now that they're starting to find bodies, everybody's panicking because, like I said, mass graves are like his thing. So they start discovering those and they're like, shit. Oh, shit. Uh, Not long after the these boys were uh, reported. Oh, not long after this, a boy was reported that he was attempted to be raped to the police um, and he described his attack attacker They searched for the man that fit the description and arrested somebody. He had a limp, was the right age, sold honey in bottles that were exactly the same as what the street vendor Garavito was selling and they found next to the body, Mm -hmm. or that was next in the crime scene, right? But this was Pedro Pablo Ramirez Garcia. Why are there so many fucking names? Everybody has like four names. Okay. So... He did have a sexual assault record, so they were like, okay. okay. And What are he... the fucking odds? Oh, is it Garavito? No. Oh. No, this is a totally different guy. He said that he like, was- like, what are the fucking odds? Yeah. Well, and he said, I like, I'm innocent. I didn't do any of this stuff, but he was imprisoned anyway because they were like, yeah, you dude, dude, you make the most sense, right? If it walks like a pedophile- and quacks like a pedophile. Right. It's probably a pedophile. Well, exactly. And that's they're like, um, you got a record, so why would you even say if you did it if you did? But Garavito continued killing while Pedro was in prison, killing four boys in that same town while he was in prison. So the police knew that they hadn't gotten the right guy. But they just left him in prison? 
I think so. I Just couldn't find notch police work. <laughs> I couldn't find any details on Mr. Pedro. But this makes me anxious. I want to like read other things while you're talking, which is really rude. That but is it really makes rude. Me really fucking. <laughs> so, in November of 1997, a few children found a skull in a ravine. Um, when the police came to, f- just like our wildest dreams. When the police came to find, like, figure out what was going on with this skull, they found 36 bodies in a mass grave. Okay, I'm going to take back just a little much. Dream. It's like, yeah, let's just, let's go ahead and backtrack for a second. <laughs> they literally, like, walked into this field. And just found a killing field instead Yeah. Of, I mean, finding a dead body would be all right. It'd be I mean, all if right. I found, I mean, like, a, a skeleton, yeah. I'd be okay with it. An actual body with flesh still on it, I'd have a really hard time getting over that. Me too. You know, there's a fine line, but 36 bodies. 36 children's bodies, not just bodies. It's a bit much. It's a lot. Um, And this is when they were like, okay, we got a problem. They made a task force that next, like, January. So, like, a couple months later, they figured it so all out and got it together. So he was legit just, like, killing and raping boys and just throwing them in this. In multiple different places, yeah. But, like, he found 36 in this one spot. Yep. So they were, he was just pitching them in and moving on with life. Yep. Basically. Because he wasn't um, digging graves for each of these. No. They were unburied, mm-hmm. all of them. Um, but because, like, later on it'll talk about it, but because all of the fields were so dense, oh, a lot of times like you couldn't see them unless you were, like, on top of them. Um, first they contact, or first they contacted the, the, s- In huh? the humidity down right? there. I would think that field would just be full of flies. Probably, but they also and probably like, decompose really fucking fast. And they just like soup? Yeah. Just melt into the ground. <laughs> um, <laughs> you brought it upon yourself. <laughs> I didn't choose this story! Yeah, but you just said they were soup. You chose this story I and did. brought us down this path, okay? Remember when I said- It was you. Remember when I said I didn't realize how bad it was and then I was too deep to stop? I believe yeah, the this is where term we, are. we used was balls deep. No, no, that's the term you used and you took it back. So let's don't, don't try to deflect that on she me. She was too balls deep to turn back. Uh, so this task force, the first thing they did was they contacted surrounding law enforcement areas and agencies to see if they had similar crimes. Uh, and my words are, and boy, howdy. <laughs> Jesus who man. am I? And boy, how did I don't typing oh, that? Oh, that's a weird, that's a weird way to describe it. So they and boy, howdy, they some of the of the like surrounding I can't with I'm, you. I'm sorry, I'm stupid. And boy, howdy, I literally wrote it. It's right there, it's right there, fucking there, just for all and boy, boy, howdy, and boy, howdy, did they? <laughs> Pardon me. So, ten other districts reported finding, having mass disappearances and deaths. Okay? So, February of 1998, this is right after they made this task force, they discovered bodies, the bodies of two boys, a 10 and a 13-year-old, outside of Hanover. Or, it, see, and they say it differently, but it's spelled Hanover. Hanover, Hanover Columbia. Um, they were close friends. Yeah, well, I don't know what to tell you. It's like, they say it like... 
Just either way. Just move on. Whatever. <laughs> Fuck it. They were close friends who sold fruit and gum to help their families. So they like had a little business side hustle they were doing to make money. Just there's a lot of those where it's like a young boy just selling random stuff they can get their hands on to mm-hmm. try to make money. Uh and they found more mass graves mm. all over Colombia. They hit um they went to sugarcane. Okay, so Here's the reason why they didn't find a whole bunch of them. So the sugarcane fields and the coffee fields that they have there, they are year-round fields. So they harvest in small patches. Mm-hmm. And unless you were, like, on them, you wouldn't see them. So, like, they'd harvest and replant, and then they'd wait and harvest and replant in these different areas. So they're, like, rounding up the bodies with the harvesters? It's no, it's like they didn't find them right away because they would harvest Uh in this pattern. So like if you went on the edge of the field right after it started growing, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't get back to that area until like a year and some later. I thought you were saying that the harvesters were grinding. (coughs) No. So I was like, no, because and most of them were actually harvested by hand still. Oh, yeah. So the the plants were still going. So they'd just be like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just... Yeah. Well, and sugar cane is really dense. Yes. Find my my spot since I went off script. Um, So this is when Garavito goes to Ecuador. So he, like, hops countries for a bit in 98. Heat's getting on him, so he's got to bounce. He goes to Ecuador, and he goes by the alias of Bonifacio Matarera. Matarera. What an alias. Didn't want to just do like a herald or like a. I feel like that would stand out more than Bonifacio in like Colombia and Ecuador. Oh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harold. <laughs> I'm Harold Smith. Who the fuck are you? Get out of here, Harold. <laughs> and once he went there, children began disappearing there too. No Imagine fucking that. way. And it wasn't long before the police suspected the foreigner with the limp from Colombia. And they were like, dude, you're you're fucking new. This is fucking new. What hey, are you doing? Harold, Harold, come over here. We gotta talk. So Ecuador didn't last very long because he fled back to Colombia before he was apprehended. And by 1999, there was there were various police forces that were on the hunt for this beast. They didn't know who he was, they didn't know any of that stuff, but they knew that it was like either a singular guy or or a cult, or, like, a group of people working together for, like, not necessarily, like, a pedophile ring, but kind of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, So each area that was looking for this person were working pretty much by themselves because they didn't, like, realize that there were so many mass graves across Colombia because the, the precinct that made this task force only, like, contacted the local close to them areas, you know? And so all of these different places were looking for the same guy, but they thought that they, it was like a, their own problem that they had. Okay. Then in February of 1999, they found a mass grave that contained many clues. So he kind of got sloppy and they found a bunch of stuff, but we'll get a little more into detail here in a little bit. Okay. So police over the country were searching for this beast, including a man named... Eldemar Duran, who... Eldemar. Was, he sounds like a supervillain. Right? His but, co-workers knew him as the Shadow because he was so obsessed with the case. Very much, like, into it. Sounds like Batman. 
I'm the shadow. I am Batman. Um, dude. Fucking Robert Pattinson is gonna be Batman. I don't know. I don't want to talk about That's it. It's so fucking weird. I'm sorry. What? I sure hope he adds like 40 pounds of muscle. muscle. Otherwise, it's just going to be weird. It's like, you're a gangly-ass Batman, dude. Scrawny little vampire. Get out of here. Okay. Sparkly-ass so, bitch. Jeez. Duran's search began when three boys went missing in his area, and it grew when he found out about similar cases throughout the country. So mm-hmm. he's kind of the one that got everything tied together. Um, so he's like the hard-hitting detective that doesn't take no for yeah. an answer. Yeah, he is. He's what the everybody shadow. wants their detective to be when they're the ones that are murdered mm-hmm. or missing. Um, he is the one who put them all together and decided that it was a singular psychopath and or a group that was doing it. He's like the brains behind the operation. He's the dude in the corner with the red string that's like... Had like 72 cups of coffee and is just trying to get somebody to pay attention. I've been awake for 72 hours. (laughs) Duran, you need to go to sleep. (laughs) I can hear callers. (laughs) You've got to listen to me, man. I know things. They're talking to me. (laughs) Um, The shadows are talking to me. (laughs) So he knew the victimology so well. And he put together a crew to go undercover on the streets. Um, and live among the homeless population in order to kind of just witness things and see if they could see a man that was out of the ordinary. And this, but he only did that in his local area because he obviously didn't have any sort of jurisdiction over anywhere else. But the fact that he knew that it was happening elsewhere, he was trying really hard to like do something, what he could. So in November of, so I kind of gave like the 99, this is like, a preemptive, like, this is what's going to happen because we're still technically in November of 98 on my timeline. But they discovered 14 bodies of boys over 100 miles away from where Duran started his, investigation. like, investigation. So this kind of solidified his theory that it was happening everywhere and they're all the same person. Um, but the 14 boys didn't have any de- dental records that they could go off of to ID them. So... They were trying to figure out a way to do so, which they felt was imperative to find the killer. Because in order to find the killer, you need to know who the victims are to, like, track back to where they were. Mm-hmm. Garavito was roaming around the country, killing throughout the winter of 1998. So they had difficulty finding him and apprehending him because he was still just, like, all over the place. There was no... He didn't, like, find a spot and stay there at all during right. 98. He kind of... Would kill and take off. Kill, take off. Um, the police considered DNA testing from the bones of the boys or, or like, and or reconstructing their faces with the skulls that they could find. But because, like we talked about before, everything decomposed so fast that everybody was basically skeletal mm-hmm. by the time they found them. Um, unless they were the people that found, like, the day after and they already knew who those kids were. Right. So they decided to go with the reconstruction because DNA was just not what it could be at this time. Um, So the artist that they chose was Mario Leon Artuaga. Starts with an A. Um, He was... 
Sounds good to me. He was like the number one reconstructing reconstructive artist in Colombia at the time. So he said that it wouldn't be easy to recreate the children's skulls just because most of the bodies were still developing. So portions were different than what they had on file for like just reconstructing adult bodies. Right. So he actually came up with new measurements in order to recreate children's faces and different like ages. I, he took measurements of boys of similar ages of the victims and he kind of created his own way of measuring the flesh that should be on the skull from those like that's kind of cool so they had to like do that and the russians had already started creating a system to determine the race and other details of victims by their skulls so like the measurement of how everything everything is developed they can kind of figure out where they're from so that's kind of cool (laughs) so mario also ended up doing like in-depth investigation into skulls that had injury or were missing things like teeth to help identify them. Um, And he worked on his reconstructions throughout the winter of 98 as well. So when they found this mass grave of 14 kids, they just kicked it down as fast as they could to try to reconstruct these and get some Mm -hmm. identifications of these of the kids that were found in that mass grave. So there was a lot of dispute throughout the authorities about who was responsible for the murders. Some thought that maybe it was a drug trafficking thing and other people thought maybe it was a cult, but this all was disputed by forensic scientists discovering evidence that all of these murders were committed by one man because everything lined up to be the exact same person. So it was kind of a back and forth thing where they were constantly like dealing with political junk to just get anything going so in late 1998 garavito's trail was oh they were on garavito's trail and they were quickly they were trying to quickly catch this beast so prosecutor fernando aya (laughs) um well that's what i'm i'm pretty sure it is aya began visiting the mass graves himself the coffee fields and the sugarcane fields um, were usually patrolled by men on horses, so it made him wonder why they hadn't caught the killer because it's pretty much 24-hour patrol. Mm-hmm. And that's when they found a tower, they climbed up to the top and realized that even from there they couldn't see the mass grave. So it is impossible to think that somebody on a horseback from 50 feet away could see that there's a dead body there or someone's mm-hmm. even in those weeds, you know? Right. Um. So they're like, okay, so that makes sense as to why they're doing that. So that's like a jump off point of where we might be able to find more bodies in places that are similar to that. So in 1999, Garavito continues his killing and raping disguised as a priest now. So he was a monk. He jumped into a priest's dis- yeah, disguise. He just like hops into whatever he can get. It said that he kind of disguised himself in something that made sense to the economy of where he was at. So if it's a coffee town he's like a coffee vendor mm-hmm. street coffee vendor if he you know all that jazz because he's a fucking fucking i hate him um in february of 1999 he's a disguise a master of disguise another mass grave was pound, found in palmyra this was less than 40 miles away from the 14 victims found in the other mass grave um it, in this grave, Garavito, this is the one that they found that he left all the clues in. Okay. 
So dun, dun, dun. he left behind money from all over Colombia. He left his eyeglasses that were burnt. I'm not really sure why, but they were burnt and they were left in this mass grave. There was different underwear, different shoes, all sorts of stuff like left there. And so with the shoes, they I wonder knew- if he was like taking off his disguise and burning it, leaving it with the body. Right. And then like he'd come back, have another disguise take that off burn it leave it with the body right and that's what's like so they found all this stuff and then so they took every piece and they kind of broke it down to try to put together some sort of profile on this guy's because again they don't necessarily know who's doing the, all these killings mm-hmm. so with the shoes they knew that they were trying to find a killer between the height of five four and five six and well, he's just a little guy well he's colombian they're not that tall <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) To be fair. (laughs) To be fair. Okay. And then they also noticed that the shoe was worn unevenly, which made them believe he had a limp. He had a limp. So specifically, the heel was worn a lot more than the front. And so the limp specifically was him leading with his heel and turning his foot out when he'd step. Okay. And so it would rub his heel mm-hmm. down a lot more than the front of his foot. So there's I was something like, well, creepy about that. I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's, I mean, there's creepy things about this guy, like all around. Well, I know, but... but just the description of that limp creeps me out. And this is where I was like, and according to the forensic neuroscience uh, that they did, the same part of his brain that could cause his limp could also be causing his personality defects. So mm-hmm. it could be a similar like shot off of different deals but the limp happened like mid killing throughout this time so i don't think that's the cause cause but then there were the glasses so they led them to believe that there was he had a specific eye condition that only impacted middle-aged men between the ages of like 40 45 and then some say 55 to 60 but either way there's like a an age range that they can go they can use and they were also bent in a way that showed that the suspects one of his ears was higher than the other oh Mm, i was like look at these people so they have some detail on this guy and i don't know like if it was how the area was burned or what but they also suspected that he had he would have bad burns on his arms and on his left leg. So I don't know if it showed like the clothes were burnt that he ended up dropping or what, but they said that and I was trying to figure it out and I just couldn't find it. So here we are. Um, and they knew his drink of choice too, like his, cause alcohol bottles were left all over the place. So they were trying to figure out a way to use that to catch him or mm-hmm. like track him somehow. Um, there was just a lot of stuff that they were like, how can we figure this out to maybe figure out where he is, who he is, all that. They took the profile and they put it against registered offenders that from the last 10 years, which didn't narrow the search down much. It only whittled it down to like 1500 people. So that's not helpful. But then they dismissed anyone that was under the age of 42, which brought it down to 95 men. And then they eliminated anybody that was outside of the height range. So then that 
brought it back down all the way to 25 suspects. Okay. So they're at 25 suspects. The investigators in Bogota went to Bogota and started scouring the cold cases there to see if there were any other ones that were connected, see how far back it went, basically, hoping to find a trail and have more of like a timeline of where this person was so they could put it against somebody else's timeline. This, I just thought they did such a crack job for... I just think they did such a good job. You guys just did such a good job for the little resources they had at that time. Um, And that's where they learned about the case of Ronald in 96. And the suspect was detained. So, they went in and they figured out who the suspect was. Right? So the suspect was released anyway, and that's where they found the name Luis Guerravito. Uh, for whatever reason, he didn't use an alias this time. I don't know if it's just he... Got cocky? Yeah. Well, and that's what they were thinking is near the end, he was getting to a point where it was just like, clearly they're not going to catch me. So, mm-hmm. um, But he used his real name, and Garavito's name was on the list of 25 suspects that they had narrowed it down to, too. So they're it's like, boom, motherfucker. Yep. This bitch. And so they determined that his hometown was Hanover and he was, and he currently lived in Trujilla? Tr- Trujilla? Trujilla? I don't know. Um, <laughs> these, were, these were two of the cities that they found the murders in, too. So they're like, okay, cool more evidence so they know who he is now it's finding him because they have no idea where garavito was himself they went to trula to question his sister esther to see if she had an idea she said she hadn't talked to him or had any contact with him for a pretty long while but she was holding a few of his things and that's when she handed them a large black bag Dun, dun, dun. Remember the killing kit? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. It contained trophies and receipts and a number to his ex-girlfriend's house. And when she was questioned, she also happened to have a black bag that he asked her to hold for him. Mm-mm. And this one contained more receipts that showed he had been all around the country in different cities, many of which were cities that they found murders that were similar in and um, newspaper clippings of the different murders and fibers that matched things from the crime scenes. And yeah, it's like, Bitch. so they knew now that this was him. This is the guy. It's not even it's like this bitch. Yeah. So on April 22nd, 99, a 12 year old named Yvonne Sivagal left his house and began walking to the park. This is where he would sell lottery tickets um, to pay for his school books and his schooling because his parents couldn't afford it. Um, Garavito convinced him to follow him. When he did not return as usual, his mother called the authorities as soon as she could. Mm -hmm. They took the concerns very seriously, considering all the missing and murdered children at the time. But Yvonne had already gone to the jungle with, Garavito. Garavito attacked him and attempted to rape him, but Yvonne was a fighter. Get it, get it, get it. This is when a homeless man noticed that there was a scuffle going on when he was walking past. Mm -hmm. 
he helped um, Yvonne get away from Garavito, and they both ran, like, as fast as they could, and, like, Garavito chased them for a bit, and this guy's like, fuck, what am I going to do? But he helped him get away, they ran away, they ran to a local auto shop, and that's where um, Yvonne called the authorities and told everybody what had happened. The police came with his mom, and he regaled them with the story of how he was lured. This is what the guy looks like. Da, 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 da. Right away, the police like started driving around trying to find this man with a limp mm-hmm. um, in the area. And, I mean, they didn't find him. They couldn't see him. So the police were like, okay, well, we'll keep looking, but let's drive you home and get you, like, someplace safe. Um, but as they were driving home, they passed a man walking with a limp on the side of the highway. Yvonne hollered, that that was his attacker, so they arrested him right there on the spot. Oh, shit, Gar- son. Yeah, Garavito acted very calm in custody and gave the name of Bonifacio Morero Moscato. Moscato? Yes. Um, and remember Aya, mm-hmm. the investigator? So he heard that there was a man in custody for an attempted rape of a boy, and he traveled there to question this man in jail. Aya basically knew that he was giving them a fake like id he knew that that wasn't actually his name that this was garavito mm-hmm. right and so so he like matched everything in the profile then to top it off garavito asked was asked to sign some documents with his alias he signed Moscato. his real fucking name didn't he no it just was like there was no consistency in his signature because he'd never written it before mm-hmm. so he was like hmm, bitch this isn't your name, and you know it. So in July of 1999, the police from across Colombia met up while Garavito was in custody, sharing evidence and cases, including mugshots and different arrest things, and verified that this was all the same freaking man. Everybody, it's the same guy. So on October... Of October 28th, 1999, Garavito appeared in court thinking that he was going to be facing charges of rape, like attempted rape for Yvonne, right? But when he was ordered to rise by the judge, the judge called him by Luis Garavito instead of his Moscato name. Mm -hmm. And he was like, fuck. And then he told him, when he told him what he was being charged with, he was stunned. The judge told him that he was being charged with the rape and murder of 118 children. Investigators were still happening. Like, investigation was still happening at this time. And that's why they ended up with, like, 138. Because they found linked murders Mm -hmm. throughout this huge trial. Because there's so many of them. Um... They wanted to solidify their case to be sure that he was going to get charged, right? So they enlisted the help of his friend named Ambar Toro, who was holding one of the, just, I'm like, I, I'm trying. I'm trying so Um, hard. So he was holding another black bag. I keep thinking you're going to say black boy, and I don't know why. You racist son of a... <laughs> you racist motherfucker. Um, so he was holding another one of these black bags. And now... Um, wait. No. 
So I said he, but I think it's a girl. Umbar. Either way. So they she, were. Now. Don't, don't assume anyone's gender, okay? Okay, relax. Um, Calm down, hippie. <laughs> so she. It says I wrote she, but then I'm like, isn't he? I'm Just say they. So they wanted to help convict him now, obviously, since clearly he was a child killer. And so she visited him in prison and asked if he had any more of those black bags, like that she, like he left with her or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he admitted that at one point through the conversation, there was a black bag being held by the wife of another prisoner. So investigators found this bag and it contained photographs of the murdered children. This was like his big one that he'd carry around. This was with him. the big guy. This was the guy. Um, and basically a slip that was a kill count. It had details with check marks and yeah. Like how he killed them? Gross. Ew. Like where they were, what happened, I blah. Don't like that. So now just to make it more solid, they looked into the glasses prescription and yep, he had the rare condition that they so they knew that they were his glasses. Mm-hmm. In order to keep him from thinking that anything was up. Um, when they wanted to do the like eye exam, they had everybody in the prison do eye exam so that he wouldn't like lie about vision issues, whatever. And so I thought that was kind of cool. And it reminded me of your, like everybody put in their DNA. They're like, we just, we're going to have everybody do it. They also scoured his cell for hairs and for DNA testing. So I'm like, I don't know. Does Columbia not like make you put in DNA when you get arrested or what? But they, either way, they, the hairs that they did gather matched hairs found at the crime scenes and the DNA matched the bottles that were left that were drank out of. So they were, (laughs) so they still weren't sure if this was enough evidence to convict him because apparently they wanted just a confession. They wanted him to say what it was. He did it. Everything. Okay. So... They put it into this service called Link that was new. It's like an internet dealio, but they use it and basically it takes all the bits of data, puts them all together and tells you if they are, which ones are linked and which ones are not. So according to all the the little linked. Yes. All the little bits and things. So they like put in the receipts where they were, what times, all this stuff. So then they can make the timeline on this Mm -hmm. rather than them having to go by hand putting together a timeline. And it can process like 5 million pieces of data per second. So Mm -hmm. it's much faster. And the results were amazing. According to this, according to Link, the receipts of all the papers showed that he was in every single place that they had a timeline for the deaths of kids. And so they're like, well, shit, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. We got it. The next thing they wanted to secure was a confession, like I said. So they were confident that with all of this information, they could catch him in a lie. But after eight hours of interrogation, Garavito maintained his innocence. He cried and he said he was being persecuted because they needed to find somebody to pin all these different deaths on. And he just was an easy... Dude, we have all of the kill kits. Right. So in fall of 1999, they brought in Detective Duran, who knew everything. The shadow. Yeah. 
because he's been so obsessed. Mm -hmm. And they put him in there together because they're like, if anybody can like crack him by giving him details. It's going to be the shadow. Yeah. (laughs) Duran assumed that Garavito um, was compartmentalizing his crimes in order to close them off from his normal life mind. And so he forced his mental barriers down by show, like telling him all these different details of things that they knew about his crimes, telling him the names, showing him pictures, basically just like throwing all this information at him. And Duran was quoted saying, I knew of situations that he had been in at each of these towns, how he had arrived, whom he had been with and how he how he was dressed. So it's like, I know this shit. Don't even try me. So Garavito had a nervous breakdown at about 18 hours into the interrogation because he tried real hard and confessed saying that he was possessed by a demon. Imagine that. Was it a werewolf? Everybody's possessed by a fucking something. Um, It can't just be a terrible human. Was Was it a werewolf? No, I think it was a demon. Was it a demon werewolf? No. Just a demon. No, you're fucking wrong. It's just, just a, a demon. Just an ordinary demon. He's a beast. Um, it was the demons <clears> of <throat> murder, mayhem, and madness, or whatever the one from her. He was, while he was in jail, he was diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder. Garavito confessed to more murders and directed them to other bodies, trying to appear, appear like he was helping. By May of 2000, Garavito had gotten sentenced to 11 different in 11 different courts to an accumulative 835 years in prison. But because we're in Colombia, his max sentence is 30 years. <gasps> Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Oh God, I hope he gets killed in prison. And he was sent to Colombia's worst prison, according to 19, according to 2014 polls. And it was only built to hold like 250 250 mm-hmm. people and it's holding over 900 people now um it stinks like literally the water the o- water only runs for like eight minutes a day please tell me that someone's raping him repeatedly in his jail zone so water only runs eight minutes a day so the they're forced to like pee into plastic bags and discard them in communal areas Ew. um and uh, inmates sleep in like hallways and shit because there's not enough cells for them to fit in and so guards won't even go in there half the time because there's so much like Mm -hmm. violence happening garavito didn't want to go to this jail because pedophiles are the low of the low Mm -hmm. and even in Colombia, you are getting shanked Mm -hmm. if you know if you're not careful and you're a pedophile if you don't find yourself a nice like be the bitch to somebody if you don't find yourself a nice butch man right so He's been a model prisoner, though, apparently. And because of this, he has gotten four months off of his second sentence for each year. So, this means, so four months off of each year, right? So his sentence has already been reduced to 20 years in prison. Ew! Meaning that he could be released this year. (gasps) So that's cool, because he was sentenced in 2000, and it's 2020 now. Gross. So I have... Updates to come if that happens. Oh, that's gross. Yep, not happy. I was like, and that's, I'm like, that's unsatisfying ending. Like, that's it. I'm done with the internet. I know! That's, I'm like, I was like, I'm so glad to get this out of my fucking brain for now, though. Because, believe me, I was real pissed when I was reading about him, like, 
possibly being released in 2020. And of course, everything I read was from like 2018, 2019. So they're like, next year. And then I like had a light bulb moment. I'm like, that's this fucking year. He could be released this fucking year. (sighs) Granted, he's like elderly. I don't fucking care. I don't give a shit. Tell me these things. Um, it's just part of the story, man. The absolute worst. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> the fucking worst, man. You're the fucking worst. You're the fucking worst. Dude, I gotta pee so bad. Oh, should we end this? I mean, probably. Thanks for listening to Amanda's terrible story. Yeah, it's done now, though, so you don't have to worry about hearing Awful, it next week. Awful, horrible human. Unless he gets out, and then we gotta talk about it again next week. Oh. <sighs> Well, did you like caffeine high and then drop down because you've been (laughs) yawning throughout? After you were like, I think the caffeine just hit me. You've been yawning since then. (laughs) So I think I am just boring you. No. And so I think this was your way of hiding it by being overly hyped. I think that was the peak. And now I'm like diving down ready for a nap. Diving, diving down real fucking fast. Oh, boys. Oh, boys. If. I don't know huh? what that was. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so we've had a request to bring back for fuck's sake Fridays. Mm-hmm. I need to put on another blooper reel. We came up with a whole new podcast during this episode. A lot has happened in this episode. Yep. Well, I mean, it's just going to be like a segment, right? Meow. But eventually. Eventually it'll probably be a podcast if it's well received. Oh my God. I hope we can figure out how to do that because it's going to be so much fun if we can. Okay. Well, do you want to take us out? Sure. So follow us on all the social media platforms. Social media. Oh, yes. Um, Facebook, Instagram. Twitter. Twitter. You know, all that stuff. Um, shoot us an email at iswthepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you know, rate, review, all that fun stuff. Send us ideas for what you want to hear. Yeah, if you have any, like, any things. Spread the word. Spread yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you don't. Yeah. I feel like it's just so wrong to say (laughs) after this episode, you know? No, just spread the word. Spread yourself, guys. Enjoy your life. Or don't. Do whatever the fuck you want. I don't care. Can we, are we done? You all of a sudden got really fucking short. (laughs) You're going to have to take it down a notch. Do you not want to do this anymore? Is this like the last episode? Bye. Bye.